This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Shouldn't you be at work? Love. Oh, and Love, he's got a real chance now. Peter and Love. John Walk will take the penalty. Up goes Dion Dublin. Unknown goal from Ruddock. Ball by break here for Kiwabia. Panister and Bruce in the queue again. Bruce scores. Goal leg. Hit leg. Hit leg over the top. It's it now. Now, you know him better than anybody, probably. Do you back him to score quickly, yes or no? Yes. Oh, and he has it. No. Hello and welcome to Quickly Kevin, Will He Score? It's Series 10, it's Episode 2. I'm Chris Gold. Joining me, as always, Josh Whittacombe. Hello. And never mind Matthew Kelly, you bet he's back. It's Michael Marden. Hello. What was your favourite ever, you bet? Oh, that's a great question. I think the two that stick in my memory is one where a guy could identify the make and model of the car by the sound of the door closing. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. And the one where the guy could name the track based on the sort of waveform on the stereo. Yeah, what? I saw one. I it might be the same one or it might be different. A guy, I think it was Queen songs, judging by the way a candle moved in front of a speaker. That's oh, wow. mad. A uh, man in JCB breaks six boiled eggs is a classic as well. <laughs> What's that one? I didn't care for those big, expensive VT ones. <laughs> I, I like I, I like those little like feats feats of mental strength. Where it's yeah. like a guy that had remembered four hundred cards in order. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Chris, my favourite one was uh, the guy who he knew everything about every single FA Cup final ever. He could tell you the attendance, the referee, any of the players on each oh, of the yeah. teams, the managers. Scores. And we've got him here tonight, <laughs> Michael Marden. Let's <laughs> tell us what was Matthew Kelly really like. Matthew Kelly once I once saw him in the um I was what was I doing Lorraine or something? I saw him in the reception at ITV and he came over to tell me that he was a, a fan of the last leg. Oh did he? So oh, wow. yeah, he was really a really nice bloke. And we've got to say also, if you're if you're going down a Matthew Kelly wormhole, and frankly who isn't, 
His interview with Frank Skinner is one of the most incredible bits of television oh, wow. on YouTube. We should do a Patreon special on that. We should, and it's only four minutes, so we'd struggle. But um, <laughs> we should do a Matthew Kelly. There's Patreon specials forever. Now, uh, hang on, I've got I've got a massive Matthew Kelly fact that that is re- really pertinent to this podcast. That my wife took me to see Matthew Kelly in a play called Toast. Really, oh, like, yeah. quite a famous play, I think. He became quite a good, yeah. well-regarded uh, West End actor. Didn't he, he? he was good in it, and then years later. I realised that also in this play with Matthew Kelly was our John Walk. What? Yeah, you know our John. Oh no, 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 not the not, not no, the Ipswich play. No, the real John Walk, the one, the only one we follow on Instagram. No way. Yeah, that's incredible. You've seen him live. Yeah, I've seen the real John Walk, our John Walk live. Oh wow! How's this only come up? <laughs> well, I I was I was actually probably in the last six months. I was stalking his Instagram, and when I went back for far enough, I realised that he was in this play with Matthew Kelly that I'd seen. No way. So I'd seen I've seen the real John Walk, the, the only John Walk we follow. On Instagram, the only person we follow on Instagram, I've seen him at his live. best live. Wow! Yeah. Well, we haven't got time for too much of this Matthew Kelly chat because we've got an incredible, <laughs> incredible interview today. But um, let's get on with the show. Here's the ninety o'clock news. From the headquarters of ITN News at Ten with Chris Scott. One piece of 90s o'clock news for you today, and it's this. Peter Schmeichel's stock falls even further. Oh, oh my oh, well, oh, God. <laughs> Buckle up, Michael. Buckle <laughs> up. Is this based on uh, the ongoing war in the Ukraine? <laughs> no. Although, I don't want to know what he thinks about that. But oh, I think uh, you- did you not see... Uh, well, I don't want to go in too hard on Peter Schmeichel, but Barney Roney sent out a tweet about Peter Schmeichel uh, saying that he'd been very quiet in the co-coms on... Uh, was it Man City Manual, whatever the game was after the war was? But that's the last time he'd been seen had been... He'd done a kind of photo call with Vladimir Putin, Peter Schmeichel, a couple of years ago. Ah, uh, shit. That's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know that video that's going around of Vladimir Putin refusing to shake people's hands? At the end, yeah. Peter Schmeichel's the only one that actually shakes his hand. That's what he's worried about. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I found it. Thank you to the Hugh Davies on Twitter who uh, pointed this out to me. That Peter Schmeichel did an interview with 442 magazine in 2003. And just mm. the answer. This is, buckle up. This is an incredible interview. Okay. This is people sending in their questions for, for Peter. This is, and I'll read you his responses. First question. How good can your son Casper be? Are you a competitive dad? Do you shout and ball at him from the sidelines during matches? Peter Schmeichel's response. I don't want to go into that. Question two. <laughs> <laughs> Were you hurt by... Do Roy- you know what? If, I'm, if you're, I'm writing that up for a magazine, I'm just taking that question out. <laughs> Well, why is that stayed in? Just see, let's just carry on because I think you'll realise okay. that whoever's editing this has nothing to work with. Question two Were you hurt by Roy Keane's criticism of you in his book? Now we'll skip that as well. Question three. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Question three Is it true that Nicky Butt once burnt your private parts with a teapot? Peter Schmeichel. Skip through that too. Whatever happens in the dressing room should stay there. Jesus. <laughs> What's he promoing? Why is he having to do this? <laughs> I don't know. At that point, you, you, you're bailing, right? Question four. Is it true that David Beckham and Ryan Giggs filled your locker room full of Dane Pack after you filmed that bacon ad? Peter Schmeichel? No, because we didn't have lockers at Old Trafford. Okay. <laughs> 
Question five. Can you understand United fans like myself who are a little disappointed that you left us despite saying you wanted to play, you, you didn't want to play in England anymore, but then came back? Peter Schmeichel. No, absolutely not, because I never said I didn't want to play in England. What I said when I left United was I didn't want to play that amount of games anymore. I feel insulted by this question, that he can be disappointed oh in God. me. After what I did for Manchester United, I should be able to do whatever I like in the future without him being disappointed in me. I left United for very clear reasons, and I'll give him a simple example. City have played 34 games so far this season. I haven't played all of them, whereas Man United have so far played 56 games. That's why I left. Physically, I was worn out after doing that for eight years, and I made it very clear to the United fans I have always had a good report with the United fans. They always thank me for what I did, and this is one of the first sour grapes things I've heard. Wow. <laughs> Next question. Wow. What has happened there? That is incredible. <laughs> do you know? The next question as well is brilliant. Why do you not think it worked out for your successor at Old Trafford, Mark Bosnich? Peter Michael. No, I don't want to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's the interviewer? <laughs> it's just questions. It's questions that people have asked him. So I don't know who wrote the article, but yeah. Oh, this wow. is all fans sending in. Oh, my word. What's your funniest Fergie story? No, not really. Oh uh, my god! A last I question. To get the audio of that. Last question. What was it like rumor with Eric Cantona? I would never ever make a comment about that. It's a private <laughs> thing. Eric Cantona is a very good friend of mine, and whatever happens or is said should remain private. Fuck. End of god, interview. Wow. <laughs> that is incredible. But do you know what? I actually prefer him. I've got a newfound respect for him after that. Come on. What do you make of it, Michael? Well, now I don't like. I've defended him. For so long, I mean, I think he's completely rewriting history on the Man City move. There, he he did allude to the fact that he would not play in the Premier League again, and even if he wanted to come back, any other team but Man City, yeah. any other team or but Liverpool. Man City or Liverpool or Leeds. There's that brilliant clip where Gary Neville refuses to shake his hand when they're captains in the tunnel. Yeah, with yeah. and like I totally agree. There are certain players that can cross a divide. I think in a city, but if you've been a club legend. You just you just shouldn't do yeah. it. You just shouldn't do it. And any stick you get from the fans is totally deserved. Okay, let's have. We, it's been years. Let's bring back Raph of Peacock. Gavin Peacock's back to his best. Thank you to Ross Leach for sending us this. Gavin Peacock, tweet number one. Advice for marriage: choose the one you will love, then love the one you choose. It's based on commitment and promise rather than feelings and emotion. Uh, a dry view of love. Um, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Gavin. Not based on feelings and emotions. <laughs> Street number two. The most important thing that is happening today, Jesus Christ is building his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. <laughs> the gates of hell. Why are they trying wow. to prevail? Wow, what time is he sending these tweets? Do we have like a time code? I don't have a time code. No. Oh, I suppose he's in Canada as well. Tweet number three. Massive three points for Newcastle. Great performance <laughs> and a great run of form. What a difference. Hashtag NUFC. I mean... For someone who's so morally superior to suddenly come out on the side of this current Newcastle squad is something else, isn't it? Do you think there's, there's obviously lots of people that follow Gavin Peacock because he's a preacher and have no idea of his past career. Is, is there a sort of religious podcast where they're doing the reverse version of this joke? <laughs> right, do you want some correspondence? I'm Jim Rosenthal, and this is the Electronic Post Bag. You've got mail. This will blow your mind. Okay. Dear Quickly Kevin, whilst I was down a Wikipedia wormhole, I came across a list of all the players who have, who have over 1,000 appearances to their name. A list topped, of course, by... Chilton. 
Yes. I'm 25 and so will not have the knowledge of 90s footballs that many other listeners may have. But I was shocked to see... So this is from Alex, who's 25 and a quarter. David Seaman, right, before he joined Arsenal, had played 375 professional matches. Fucking hell. hell. <laughs> Isn't that mad? That's how? almost a career in itself. What? How? He adds, for reference, Harry Kane has 372 Tottenham appearances under his belt. How old was Seaman when he joined Arsenal? I find it amazing that a man so linked to one club had a full career before joining them. <laughs> Isn't that incredible? That's Bloody insane. Bloody hell, it checks out. It checks out. So he started playing for Peterborough in 82. 1982? Who knew David Seaman was a footballer in 1982? <laughs> so when he joined Arsenal in 1990, he was already 27. Bloody so hell. just for, for, for completion... 1982 to 1984, he did 91 appearances for Peterborough. No idea he played for them. 1984 to 1986, 75 appearances for Birmingham. And then 1986 to 1990, 141 appearances for QPR. And then he signed for Arsenal. Wow. Isn't that incredible? That is absolutely astonishing. 27 when he joins Arsenal. That's really blown my mind. Because you think when he joins in 1990... You'll be lucky if he's if he's still playing in ninety five. If you get another five years out of him, that's good. He yeah, plays, yeah. He plays on for another thirty. He joins at twenty seven and plays for thirteen years. Incredible, isn't it? Oh, that? Arsenal. That's crazy. Okay, I can't believe we haven't talked about this before. This is from Tom Bone. I don't think you've mentioned this before, but do you remember the former MI five agent David Shaler? I'm sure you do, Chris. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. You, this is right in your wheelhouse. Could you just talk us through who David Shaler is, Chris? So David Shaler was a, it was an MI6 spy. MI5. MI5 was it? And he came out and revealed a load of government secrets, didn't he? But yeah. then is kind of regarded. He as got a moved, he then fled to France. Yeah. And then uh he appeared on Have I Got News for You via kind of satellite link up and the and then he then kind of I don't know what you describe it as, but he had a bit of a kind of episode and thought he was um, the son of God. Um, yeah, he anyway, lost a lot of credibility at some point. Yeah, but I can't believe we haven't covered this because I don't think you've mentioned this before, but a former MI5 agent, David Shaler, claimed in 1997 that the FA Cup for semi-final between Middlesbrough and Chesterfield was fixed. Middlesbrough fan David Shaler had fled to France after revealing MI5 secrets and claimed... The match was rigged to entice him back to the UK for the final so that he could be arrested. <laughs> he points to the fact that Chesterfield were 2-1 up and had a goal disallowed, which did seem to cross the line. And he said, Borough never come back like that. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine how conspiratorial your mind has to be as yeah. a Middlesbrough fan watching that. He's he's got he's sent us the BBC article, which is one of those lovely BBC articles where it's still set up to look like the old BBC webpage. <laughs> yeah. Nothing more thrilling than that. Uh, so the the article reads: Former MI5 spy David Shaler has made another claim against his former employers. Shaler fled to France last year after selling British newspapers a story about a secret service plot to kill Libyan leader Colonel Gaddafi. He was arrested a month ago after threatening to publish further allegations on his internet site. And he's, co- <laughs> <laughs> and he's currently battling an extradition request from a Paris jail. 
But Shayla, 32, a Middlesbrough fan, is known to have found life as a fugitive hard from the start because he missed out on live football. In an article published on Friday, he tells Soccer Magazine 442 he suspects MI5 fixed his side's Coca-Cola Cup semi-final win over Liverpool. He claims top-secret agents knew he would find it hard to resist returning to see Middlesbrough in the final. <laughs> Shayla kept up with the game on teletext. Amazes team came from 1-0 down to win 3-2 on aggregate. I began to wonder, the borough never come back like that, he said. To, he told 442 magazine in a March interview. In my more paranoid moments, I was worried it was an MI5 conspiracy. They knew I was borough mad and would be unable to resist being there for the final. In the end, I decided not to go. I couldn't take the risk. With hindsight, the decision appears to have been wise. Middlesbrough lost 2-0 to Chelsea. <laughs> so that's a slightly confused article because they're claiming it's that... That semi-final, whereas um, the other one is the Chesterfield one, but that was the year Middlesbrough got to both finals. Yeah. And I'd say Middlesbrough, a team that got relegated getting to both finals. That's suspicious in itself, isn't it? <laughs> well, They've got to both finals. They're definitely trying to lure him back twice. Well, I just had a look. I was like, who's the ref for the, the first Middlesbrough-Chesterfield game that ends 3 all? And I was thinking... This man, could, this man could be an MI5 agent. David Ellery. Do you not think? He's oh, a, David Ellery could easily be an MI5. He's pure <laughs> Tinker Sailor Soldier Spy, isn't he? Tinker have we, Sailor have Soldier we blown referee. a huge conspiracy here? If it turns out that Julian Assange is a Leicester City fan, <laughs> the lid is clean off. <laughs> That'd tempt anyone out of the Ecuadorian embassy, wouldn't it? <laughs> They just left two tickets to that Leicester presentation game on the pavement outside the Ecuadorian embassy, attached to a fishing wire. Uh, what do you make of it? I mean, obviously, hilarious. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, now, this is a great interview, isn't it, Chris? Oh, I love it. Joe Wilkinson talking about Gillingham. We've discussed Gillingham a little bit the last uh, couple of seasons, but this was a fantastic insight. I love this interview so much. One of the funniest people I know. This is Joe Wilkinson. Our next guest is a comedian, an actor and a writer, but most importantly for our podcast, the first guest who'll have witnessed Tony Poulis's Gilligan spell firsthand. <laughs> a huge welcome to Quickly Kevin, to Joe Wilkinson. Hi. Straight into the Poulis stuff. No missing you, about. We'll, we'll, we will come to Poulis, Joe. Okay. okay. Um, obviously, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, is the main reason you're here. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you want me to tell you what I know about Tony Poulis? Yeah. Uh, Do you have Tony Poulis facts? Um, no, I just uh, uh, where where we uh, where we sit in the ground is opposite the dugout, so I only know him as a sort of an outline, really. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I never saw him up close. And, You're wearing uh, a baseball cap at this moment as a kind of tribute to him. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if his were uh, R and a lie. Base. <laughs> Do you know a little fact about you can't buy the old style R and a lie caps anymore. Can you not? Just a, no, this is the sort of they've updated it more modern because I, I had my um, one with the proper RNLI logo on the front and yeah. uh, is this what the podcast about? Yeah, um, <laughs> you not win them, Miles. It feels um, like the kind of retro reference we're interested in. Yeah, and you, I mean, we've got a reference to the fact you sat there in a national lottery hoodie. Yeah, it's basically as we were discussing earlier, Josh and I haven't paid for clothes since uh, since we left home. 
I mean, as well, Joe, I can just see behind your shoulder and there's what appears to be an empty bookcase. Oh, yeah, there's, there are books in there, but, um, you know, <laughs> okay, famously, not a massive reader. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not, it's not just pulling apart what someone looks like, but I, I should just say you're the first person we've ever interviewed who has their microphone upside down like an American shock jock. Yeah. Okay, Terry Minot put this together for me and I'm hugely <laughs> embarrassed. How do you get it out of shot? Because I don't feel like... <laughs> it looks, ju- like you're, looks like you're about to interview an anti-vaxxer, Joe. <laughs> well, the trouble is, I don't, have it, like, I don't feel qualified to have the mic in view. No. Do you know what I mean? Like, that feels like you've got like, Chris Moore's, Evans and yeah. Ball yeah. are the only people that should be allowed to um, chat with Mike in, um, in, in view. And I feel because like, mine's on... Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Mine's on a boom arm. Oh, is it? Yeah, so overkill. I feel like such a pranny. (laughs) It does look like you're a second away from standing up and doing a prank call. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. (laughs) Basically, we've got Louise in Streatham who's unaware that her boyfriend has organised for her mum and dad to come... Yeah. Joe, um, I, li- I grew up in Essex, and whenever we over- went over the kind of River Thames, you'd pick up Invicta just to talk oh, to local Kent radio Invicta, stations. Yeah, and Invicta was always, it was a big thrill. It, it felt like thrill, Invicta was, was better than any radio-, radio stations we've got in London. I am, um, on, on the way to Gillingham, I live in Brighton. If you drive to Gillingham from Brighton, you can pick up so many shite <laughs> radio stations. It's like Radio Crowborough. Uh, like the thing, like Crow was like nine thousand people, and it's like one road, and I, and it just my car just picks them up because I think there's a there's a there's a thing which is round about because I don't sound like I'm showing off, but I listen to Heart, and uh, <laughs> and round about Heart there's lot is uh, there's lots of stations around that frequency, mm. and it just jumps in and out of them, so I get like the, all these crappy radios. Stations, but they all play absolute bangers. I enjoy local radio stations. We have, what did we have one up? We had Deb. So you know the obviously you know the phrase Deb, not the phrase, the word debonair. Debonair, yes, of course. Uh, oh, oh, like debonair. We had debonair. Wonderful. Yeah, debonair was oh, one of the local radio oh, stations when I was growing up. You talk about round of applause, debonair. <laughs> Fucking hell, someone took the morning off, didn't they? Fucking hell. <laughs> They didn't even want to start a radio station. It's the kind of, they had the title. They were like, we've got to start the radio station. Work backwards. Work backwards. What could, we could do an air freshener. Um, radio station. Um, Helicopter school. We should start by asking the question we always ask, which uh, is, have you met a 90s footballer? Oh, oh yeah, I've met a couple. But uh, Tony Adams, I walked past on F- uh, Fulham Palace Road. Yeah. And fuck me, he was enormous. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> enormous. Like, I don't remember, like, but the width of the man's shoulders, like, it blew my mind. Literally had to go round him. Um, he was enormous. I, saw, I, I, walked, I walked past Sol Campbell as well. Mm. Um, have I met? Oh, yeah. Well, he's not 90s, he's 80s, but I met um, Steve Perriman. Oh, yeah. Who Spurs. might have played in, t- yeah, Spurs yeah. captain. And captain of the probably the Spurs greatest side and uh yeah i was i i met him and uh it was going in to promote something at five live yeah and uh i can't remember there's another i think it was chris kamara came out of the boot out of the booth as we were going yeah. in and, and uh we'd met him on something 
And uh, I said, uh, <laughs> I was still really flustered from meeting Steve Perriman, like properly flustered, like sweating. And I said, oh, I said to Chris, I said, I've just met Steve Perriman. <laughs> and he went, oh, it's Steve here, I'll, uh, I'll come and say hello. <laughs> and then I was with David and he went, it's like someone come up to you and go, I just met Josh Widdicombe. <laughs> and you go, oh, it's Josh here. I was really like, really over... Like I was like telling him like it was something amazing to him, and he, and he just went, "Oh, how's he here? I'll come say hello." It's like, oh fuck! And he really threw me when I had to go into the booth and try and promote something that I wasn't fully behind. If Kamara yeah. had got overexcited, that would have been no <laughs> way. Steve Perriman, <laughs> Chris. Yeah. I met Chris Kamara because I did. Did you ever do um, Russell Howard's bit of stand up? In that, in the Russell Howard. No, I didn't do that. Show. Russell Howard's good news. No. Uh, well, I, I, I. How did that lead to you meet? <laughs> well, he was, he was on. Like he wanted to try stand up. What? <laughs> Chris, come on. <laughs> tried, what? tried stand up. <laughs> off the back of a live recording of a television show. I don't what do you mean? mean? <laughs> At the well, end like, of Russell Howard, he tried. Well, stand- I, I think it was in the middle of it. Like he wanted to try stand up, rather go to than go to a comedy club. I'm pretty sure he tur- he he did it to a television audience. Did, did you witness this? No, no, I don't. I didn't witness it because I I got there late for some reason, and um, like Chris Kamara was sort of leaving, and I said, "Oh, why is Chris Kamara here?" And they said, "Oh, he's just done seven to ten in the middle." Said, what do you mean in the middle? Middle of what? A recording. I'm sure I haven't made that up. If anyone was at that, I mean, I don't know whether our podcast has got the same studio audience as Russell Howard. But maybe if you're a fan of Joe Wilkinson and you went to watch that specifically, I'd love to know what what was in his 7 to 10. He's not just going straight on Russell Howard. He's surely doing a bit of warm-up or something. I think it was a warm-up for the Apollo. (laughs) (laughs) Like... Someone told me as well, like, um, they saw, um, like, you know, loads of footballers do. I'm sure it was quite, it just maybe it'd be quite after the speaky. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, this is probably one of those urban myths, but apparently Alan Hansen did or does a lot of after dinner speaking. Yeah. But he's got like, he's got like a set sort of 40 that he does, yeah. which is all about, like, I don't know, meeting, en- meeting Emlyn Hughes. Yeah. Him being an inspiration, or yeah. you know that his leadership qualities and taking over as captain yeah, the and the boot room, yeah, yeah, all that stuff. And there was some some mix up in the booking, and he ended up at like a WI or something like that, and he still did his forty, <laughs> his stock forty about <laughs> about what it was like being, you know, playing with Ian Rush and his favourite ever header or whatever. I suppose you're all thinking, what was Bob Paisley really like? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I don't think... I think he's a juggernaut when it comes to his stories. I don't think he's turning. He's not going... Do you you think Alan Hansen should have kind of shimmied into a load of stuff about about making jam? Yeah, and meeting Jermaine Greer or something. (laughs) But... uh, (laughs) I also once saw Alan Hansen run up, uh, talking of meeting 90 footballers. I saw Alan Hansen in a suit running up Camden, the middle of Camden High Street. What, in the road? Yeah, in the road. I assume, I assume, 
<laughs> Save this story for like in the road. <laughs> it was because um, I used to work at the bottom of Camden High Street. <laughs> And there's like by the cocoa kind of area. Yeah, yeah. So co- uh, the opposite side of cocoa. There's, yeah. So where I think it's Hampstead Road turns into Camden <laughs> High Street as well. Yeah. And he he was so I was like, oh, there's Alan Hansen. There's Alan. What Hansen. kind of time of day are we looking at here? Like lunchtime. <laughs> and because uh, I remember going, oh look, that's Alan Hansen. And then it's secondary. I went, oh, he's running. <laughs> No, no, that's right. As there's Alan Hansen in the suit. Yeah. Uh, then secondary, went, oh, look, he's running. Oh, look, he's running in the middle of the road. <laughs> and then I was walking Hampstead Road, and he was walking... He was running up Camden High Street, so I sort of watched him sort of run out of view up... <laughs> Up uh, yeah. Camden High Street, so I'm assuming like maybe he was get, trying to get a cab or something. I don't know. What yeah. it was, but I, as far as I know, he could have or, or been on he his way to He just had a bad run at the WI. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the phone going, "I've only got that forty. <laughs> what am I going to talk about?" <laughs> Did he have a turn of pace? Because he's a sportsman. <laughs> no, I don't remember. Like I, I, I put it down to slippy shoes, but he didn't look like he was. He wasn't yeah. flying. It wasn't. The, it wasn't noticeable. <laughs> no, you weren't like fucking hell. No Jesus, because it, it wasn't like it. was that Alan Hansen? <laughs> like it was definitely Alan Hansen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like. Anyway, so I don't know. I've gotten to that. Um, that um, I mean, for someone who says he didn't have, has never seen the nineties football initially, that's a hell of a, <laughs> hell of a turnaround. Yeah, yeah it's amazing what pops in your head under pressure. Running up the middle of a road. It's amazing what pops in your head under pressure, isn't it? <laughs> Um, so we should talk about Gillingham. Now you are mm. a Gillingham fan. Your name on Twitter is Gillingham Joe. You're from you're yeah. from Gillingham, right? No, I'm from a place called Kemsing, which is about half an hour away, which is right. just by by the M25. Basically, I, I don't know if this is fact, but I think it's like we're probably a little bit closer to Charlton as the local club. Mm. Um, and my dad was a Spurs fan. So he brought us up as Spurs fans as little lads. Mm. So um, that's why... And Steve, Steve Paraman. Yeah, and, like, my favourite footballer of all time is Glenn Hoddle. Yeah. But then my brother made the decision for us to be Gillingham fans when we when I was probably about 10, I guess, I'm guessing, about 10. It's hard to sort of remember. And what kind of year would that have been? I asked 85, 86. Right. And then I didn't really start going to the games till I'd say about fifteen. So for five years you were you were supporting Gillingham from a distance. Yeah, and like I think my brother was sort of sort of transitioning me out of top flight football into you know something that I wasn't going to enjoy, <laughs> basically. And um, his best mate Graham, who's good friend of ours he, he, he's massive Jules fan so they, they sort of worked on me basically yeah for five years to sort of go look you know forget forget all this silky silky football <laughs> that you can sit at home and watch on TV and later you'll have lots of clips of it on YouTube you can enjoy don't worry about that <laughs> so those, those five years you're supporting Gillingham surely you can't are you seeing him on TV how no, are you following no, no. Gillian those five years? Um, mainly, like I do now, really, through my brother. 
<laughs> I, I, I genuinely, I, su- I support Gillingham through through my brother and Graham. Basically, they're yeah. my like they're my sort of uh, conduit. Basically, I'll um, I, I, like we lost to Oxford seven two the other day, and I I was reading seven two. Yeah, away. Yeah, we were away to to Oxford, and I just. Uh, for a couple of days, I was just reading back my brother's texts to me. They were so funny, <laughs> so irate. The word shit, basically, <laughs> was used so many times. You know, not autocorrect, you don't... There's a point where you write shit so much, it comes before ship, you know, or whatever. You know, like, you know, like it's just, he wrote shit so much that it just really made me laugh. And... and uh, like really, I sort of thought he was making stuff up as well because he kept going. They've they've got another penalty. They've got another <laughs> penalty. <laughs> and then he wrote, "The the keeper's gone the wrong way again." <laughs> and I was really laughing. So I like. I think I was speaking to you, Josh, about how we sort of got to a point. If you do fantasy league football, you kind of you sort of support football through apps. And I yeah, realise I, yeah, I, totally. I, I look at football more on apps than I do on telly or live. Yeah, I'm kind of just following like names and scores and stuff, or or if in my case, my, my brother's text basically. So he'll yeah. he'll just sort of keep me updated with the general misery, or and and I I don't really have to look at stuff because my brother will just say, "Oh, Evans has been sacked," and I'll go, oh, "Is he?" And they'll <laughs> tell me why. And he'll get annoyed at me because I don't know. And I'm like, oh, OK, sorry, I don't know. But you've, you know, you've just told me, so I do now. So I mean, I can do that. I can't retrospectively Google it myself. <laughs> Were you the only Gillingham fan at your school? Apart from, your brother? Uh, apart from my brother and Graham, yeah. There was, um, I grew up in a very much uh, Liverpool kind of, they were dominating. Yeah. So a lot of Liverpool fans, even though from the South, a lot of Spurs, a lot of sort of London, bigger London clubs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sort of, yeah, definitely the only only Jules fan. But but it was the decision was made because even though sort of London clubs were more supported county wise, it was Graham and Rob decided that was that was the thing to do, which I sort of gets you a bit more kudos as you're older. Yeah, it's a bit different, a bit alternative. Yeah, I know, but well, fucking hell, who cares? fucking who cares why can't I be a Man City fan (laughs) was there a bit of you did you think oh this is cool I'm a Gillingham fan or were you like I wish I wasn't a Gillingham Uh, fan there was definitely like the reason like my 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 email is and all that is Gillingham Joe because I started at I went to art college in Bristol and uh, that sort of made you interesting because you're a Gillingham fan do you know what I mean yeah I had that when I went to university. Yeah, yeah you, you know what I mean. You, you go, oh, and everyone called me Jill, and 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 it did. You know, you know when you're sort of eighteen, you think that's fantastic, isn't it, to stand yeah. out? It's all about standing out. And as you get older, you just want to be vanilla and grey, don't you? <laughs> and um, so, yeah, they're, 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 I appreciate the sort of kudos of it, but yeah. but day to day football enjoyment, I'd say, was hampered. Yes, I, I would yeah. say. Well, you know, Josh, you. You're Plymouth, right? So, yeah, you know, I mean, we, we similar. Yeah, the highs are stuff like almost drawing at Chelsea two weeks ago, but they're few yeah. and far between. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. When they are, I do think. I mean, I don't know whether you feel this, Scott. I do think 
anyone that supports a major team has a has a huge jealousy that they know that you're a that they know they know that you're pure at heart. It <laughs> <laughs> soon fucking goes mean, though, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? They have a moment. Yeah, where they it go. soon goes. What was your first game like? What was your first experience going to Gillingham and Priestfield? Um, th- what was it like? I think I can't remember the first. Had you been to Spurs by that point? Uh, I've th- been to loads of games. Like loads of like my um, been to Spurs. Went to a lot of Charlton games because my best mate's dad was a mm. big Charlton fan. Went to a lot of Palace games. I think my first game was Charlton at the Old Valley. Embarrassingly, I think I was quite rudderless for ten years. Do you know what I mean? Kind of yeah. like I was a bit <laughs> yeah. obviously a Spurs fan because of my dad, but like getting taken to Charlton and Palace and places like that. So it was all a bit all over the shitting shop, but um, <laughs> but then yeah, started going round about. I God, this is as, as I told you earlier before we recorded. I'm sort I'm I'm so bad at sort of facts because yeah, I've been listening. I listen to your <laughs> I listen to this podcast, and I when you sometimes talk about people, I then have to Google image that person <laughs> and then go, ah, oh, that's what Paul Warhurst looks like. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. Um, my memory's a bit crap, but it's round about when Glenn Roder was... Yeah. so that's the, the early manager. 90s. Yeah, and... Yeah, 91 or something. Yeah, well, I've I read up on... Well, I've I read up on Gillingham in the last day. Was, oh, so do you know when Glenn Roder... Out of interest, when was Glenn, Glenn Roder... Was, I think he was the early 90s. <laughs> right. So, so Gillingham's 90s, from what I can tell, can be split into two parts. And the first half is... Bleak as fuck. Shocking, yeah. That was when it was still the old division. We were in the old division four or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. um, and so yeah, Glenn Road was manager. Oh, also, it's quite interesting. So you're the you're the only team in Kent, basically. Yeah, because Maidstone... Maidstone went out of business in 1992. Do you remember that happening? Yeah, I remember it really clearly because I remember I remember they were playing when the, it was like it was trying to kind of create a a kind of um, a derby day with them was pretty difficult because they were playing at like this shite ground in Dartford. I think it yeah, was Dartford, yeah. and it was like one of those. You know, those I think of them as like three sided grounds. You yeah, know, yeah, where yeah. you've got like you can sort of on one end you can see into a school. <laughs> and you're like, what? Is this really? Is this really top tiers? <laughs> We can see into a school. Yeah. It's hard to hate a team when yeah. one of their ends is a school. Yeah, exactly. And you go, oh, we're meant to hate them, but whatever. <laughs> I remember they they they're doing a they did a collection for the club at in the away end. I've never seen anyone get more abuse. <laughs> and at, at the local derby, <laughs> they did a collection for the home club. Yeah, they obviously they obviously did a collection every game. Yeah. And yeah. obviously, sort of thought away fans. So I thought, you know, it'd be funny if Wrexham were going under before, you know, Fancy Dan's took took over. I'd yeah. probably give a couple of quid to someone I'd, you know, uh, yeah. not offended by, but not your county, <laughs> not the team the same county. <laughs> and then when um, when they sort of folded, was it ninety two? Yeah. Right. When they folded, I remember sort of everyone celebrating, and I remember sort of going along with it. Go, and sort of feeling, but feeling sad, <laughs> but not being able to talk about it. Be like, oh, it's so sad. And I remember thinking, isn't it sad for lots of people? I know <laughs> that we're enemies, but isn't it? Isn't it sad? Yeah. Is it sad? <laughs> it's sad. 
We're all pretending, aren't we? Because this is actually sad. But obviously that, you can't that's how say I'd that. Feel. I'd feel, yeah. I think I would be disappointed if Exeter went under. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't I, feel passionate. I mean, maybe I'm not tribal enough as a human being. No, I'm how not. Would, would you feel, I'd, who would, if Spurs went under Skull as well? That, that, like Mill, like you, I think you define your clubs, your club by some of your rivalries. So yeah. like to actually put the, the final nail in the coffin of a rival, they don't exist anymore. Where's the fun in that? Well, yeah, I think, but I think you'd have to pretend though. I think we all went through the motions of going, ha, we won. But like, <laughs> but it's like, well, yeah, it's like you've got no one to sort of hate Nothing, or yeah. slag off or, you know, like I think we forget the whole point. Like I do sometimes forget. Or suddenly remind myself and go, oh, yeah, this is entertainment. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. Do, do yeah. you know what I mean? You know when yeah. you kind of you have those weird conversations where you sort of go, oh, it's bollocks game, but, you know, got the result. And then I just have a moment and I go, yeah, but this is just, this is our leisure time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm meant to enjoy it. I know we've got the result and that's sort of, but... Fucking hell! It's, you know, with travel, it's five hours. I know what you mean. I have to. Remi- I have to remind myself that I'm meant to enjoy football. Yeah. Like I have to. Like I'm a West Ham fan. We're in a Champions League battle at the, at the moment. I was chat. I was chatting to Matt Ford, saying that actually we're in this Champions League battle. This is just as stressful as a relegation battle. Right. And then therefore, there's not a lot in football that I'm actually. I don't get much enjoying from any of it. It's all just stressful. Yeah, yeah. Like, and you're right. And I sometimes I have to go. This is meant to be entertainment. <laughs> We were at uh, we were at Chelsea, so Plymouth v Chelsea. Yeah. Two weeks ago, they're the European champions. Now, now the world champions. Um, oh we yeah, wa- I, I missed that. I missed that world oh, champion. Give a shit about no. it. It's such a <laughs> load real, of bullshit. No, my dad brought it up on Sunday, and it's like, really weird to miss, like, have missed <laughs> a a world finalist <laughs> of anything, <laughs> like, especially something you're meant to love. I was like, did they? <laughs> weird isn't it but I, but I, I read the paper <laughs> but so I was at Chelsea we're one all it's in extra time one all Plymouth yeah. as Stamford Bridge and our player knocks a pass out of the play and the guy behind me goes fucking hell Argyle <laughs> like, just thinking, when are you going to be happy what <laughs> is it going to take for you to enjoy watching this football team if you can't enjoy this there are teams there are I know every team so but there are I am um, there are certain teams though their fans are beyond pessimistic my best mate growing up is a Spurs fan Simon mm. and uh, his mate you'd been going with got uh, got quite ill and so I bought the second half of his season ticket as a sort of, yeah. you know, favour or whatever. So I, was, so I was going, I went to a few games and it was around the season that, Ber- the last season at Berbatov at Spurs, basically. Yeah. Flipping hell, Berbatov was just insane. Like literally, like the first, I think the first game I saw was them against Man U and Berbatov on his top. Anyway, they went 2-0 up in like the, one of the first games I went to. And uh, some bloke behind me went, oh, here we fucking go. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, a little behind me, I was like, what? And then general discussion, more to lose. (laughs) I was like, well, I don't know what to do with this. Genuinely don't know what to do with that. That raises the question of, I can't imagine you on the terraces, like of Gillingham. 
So we right. interview Fordy, or we'll interview Ellis, and I think the thing with Ellis is he's kind of... He likes to pretend he's something he's not on the terrace. That's Ellis kind of pretending right. he's the lad he yeah. isn't, I think. Yeah. I can't... How do you fit in at Priestfield? Well, again, I I've, I I went a lot in the 90s, like mm. Home and Away, and, and it's, you know, I'm... I'm going to be honest. Every year it dwindles, like the the amount yeah. I go. But I went I went to Ipswich about four weeks ago. Lost four nil. How shit are you this season? Well, <laughs> well, Evans has been fired, and we've got a bit of a new manager bounce with Neil Harris. Right. So, yeah, yeah. so my dad used to used to go a lot, but he doesn't go as much now. And uh, I just sit there like with my brother and Graham and a few other lads, and it's just basically it's just chatting because we're on the site. We we used to go we used to go Town End. We used to go Rainer Men, which is sort of like the the sort of bit more young, you know, the, the intimidating yeah. the lads who need to rein it in. You know, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know the ones yeah. where you go, come on, come on. No one's a hooligan. You just, just, yeah. just pretending you are. Town End was a bit, which is now more the away end. But and then, but eventually you end up at the side, don't you? Yeah. Where you yeah, because eventually nice the view side. becomes the most important thing. Yeah, and you just you just everyone's going to sit down. <laughs> None of that. So it's um, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of um, from everyone around. You know, a lot of shouting out. I never do that. Never. It's all. You're not joining with a chance ever. No. Like a really exciting moment. No. 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 I get. I get. I'll have a little. Lovely stuff to myself, but can't do it. Too embarrassed. Do you ever shout "man on"? Never. Handball. Handball. I, I, you know what I do? So I'm going to put my hand out like that, like gesture. You know where you go, like have yeah. a word, but with your yeah. hand. Yeah. And and I sort of glance at my brother, who is usually sort of yelling. Yeah. And I'll just wait for him to do it for both of us, please. Yeah. But, but in the nineties, everything embarrassing. You when you were going away from home in the nineties. Yeah. Fuck. What was that like? Why? Did you go on the coaches? How you no, we used to drive. We used to drive it. Well, I went on the coaches a few times, but bleak as hell that is. A certain um, type of person that got the coaches, I think. But we used to drive, and it was. It was sort of that weird thing looking back. I don't know about you, but like, I don't know if you guys drive, but I don't, I don't particularly enjoy the idea of a sort of drive into Halifax, you know, or, or some distance like that. But it was like, as soon as I passed my test, my brother said, you're driving to Halifax. It was like, <laughs> it was like, you don't even get a motorway lesson, do you? And then you're suddenly in a car with five lads all drinking. <laughs> it's so unsafe. <laughs> and then... And then you just suddenly you're driving to Scunthorpe, <laughs> you know, and you just and everyone's drunk around you, or sort of, and you just oh, you god, because it's your turn, and that's the way life is. Whose car are we going to potentially die in this week? Um, but there was there was there was some. I sort of got caught up in the idea of being one of the few that went away to these horrific... Yeah. I, I did get caught up with that. Like, have they got quite a small away following if you go to Halifax? Like, are you... Well, Hall Halifax, I remember Halifax lost 2-0 in whatever... You, I don't know, it would have been about 94, 95. And the away end was a car park when not... When not... When a game wasn't on. What? So you're just on a flat surface? It was sort of angled. Yeah. 
but essentially it was a car park and uh, and it was raining and I was I, the two things I remember about that game is we drove up and we went to a pub before and a, pub, a couple of people got on it and yeah. stayed in the pub <laughs> which ne- the I never got over <laughs> I never never got my head around that just went and, to Halifax to go to the pub well, yeah, because we, because uh, do you remember you know, that age when you get there at like, yeah. oh, I find it so tiring even thinking about that. But you get there at like twelve or yeah. one, so you can get on it. Yeah, <sighs> sounds exhausting now. But so they just obviously got had a few and was like, I don't really want to leave the pub, so they didn't leave the pub. <laughs> but then, the <laughs> the thing I remember most is uh, my brother was my brother was away at college, I think. So I was just going, I was just with Graham, right? It started raining and the side bit had a cover on it. So mm. all, most of the away fans were at the side, basically. Except yeah. for like me and Graham and a couple of other people sort of stood in the middle of the car park a bit. And the, someone had, one of the players had a shot, went over the bar and uh, it kind of rolled to us. And uh, Graham made that fatal mistake, the wonderful fatal mistake, because he thought he was safe. You know when you throw a ball back, you throw it from your chest... Yeah. yeah, that's how you throw the ball back. He made yeah. the fatal mistake of putting the ball behind him, his arm behind oh, yeah. him, and then to, to give it a lot like a kind of keeper in the olden days. Yeah, yeah, sort of keeper throwing it back. And obviously, I tapped it off his hand, basically. <laughs> so yeah, swung, but got a big way like that, and uh, and then he chased me around the car park. <laughs> Even While more. the game was ongoing, yeah, even more. Wee! I was <laughs> laughing my head off, like really laughing. And then we lost two 0 and had a five-hour drive home or whatever. But yeah, that's what I remember Did, about Halifax. Was that the worst away ground? Was that other awful away ground? Um, was it? Was it Northampton or I think it was Northampton that was th- another three-sided because they had the cricket ground to the right. And that I think when we played Northampton, no, it was Chesterfield where this happened. Where we drew three all with Chesterfield, and it was one of the most diabolical games I've ever seen. And I don't know how, but there were six goals and it was shit, <laughs> which is really weird. Basically, I remember. Um, we, I think it was like I think they were they were ahead, and their keeper, their keeper went down, or the defender went down, and. My, we were behind the goal and obviously not a huge amount of away fans and my brother shouted get up and uh, <laughs> their captain or one of their players turned around and went he's actually quite badly hurt <laughs> and my brother went oh god sorry and it was like it was genuinely like this lovely human moment where all my brother's bravado and everything just sort of went sort of, oh god sorry yeah, is he alright it, it was just like oh okay and then we sort of had to sort of all politely waited for it to happen rather than jeering him and stuff. So, so at the start of that nineties, Gillingham are. So, from what I can tell you, in very bad financial problems, Maidstone go under, and then yeah. Oh, we had some emails on this. We've got to ask about this. It's the number one question on my list. I want to know, which is this: Do you remember? We've had lots of emails about this. That apparently, when you signed Leo Fortune West, boom, 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 you did it. Let me hear say Leo. Sorry. <laughs> Did that song? That's, that's my brother good. made up and it didn't catch on. <laughs> Breaks oh, my heart. Boom, 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 let me say Leo, Leo. <laughs> uh, Sorry, I was yeah. hoping you'd get Fortune West yeah. in there. No. No, not, but okay. Yeah. Maybe that's why I didn't take off. But um, 
so apparently you were you signed him off the back. Uh, you, you paid five thousand pounds for him, and that money was raised during a half-time fundraising event. Oh yeah, I saw. <laughs> I remember hearing about that. I don't remember it. But I think, okay, but it's triggered a memory. It could be true. Well, the one that I know is true is that Tony Cascarino was swapped for some new tracksuits. He came what? from from a, a team. When you signed him or when you sold him? Well, that's how we bought him, basically. Right. I think he started, like, you Google it. I think it's a team in Bromley or Swanley mm. area, which is where he's from, which is near, near me. Yeah. And he famously was bought for they said you know like I oh, will have him and they go get us a set of new tracksuits and you can have him and so they bought them the new tracksuits and and yeah so Gillingham bought this the club I can't remember my brother he going shouting the name of it if he's listening and uh, and they gave him a set of tracksuits yeah surely you just go <laughs> can we have the money for the tracksuits and we'll buy them unless unless you've got the tracksuits kicking around they're going to be like, marking them up Oh yeah, I suppose yeah, I suppose you could have just given a check and said, "Mate, yeah, just spend." It's like on. they've gone. Do you know what? We need the new tracksuits, but we can't be bothered to go out and buy them. The but, act of buying them is more annoying yeah. than. But it's like than birthday the money going into your account, isn't it? It's just getting yeah. spent on it. You just want the cash so you can definitely go and buy. But <laughs> Tony Cascarino is a bit of a club legend, right? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, he. I think his autobiography is famously like the first sort of autobiography that wasn't and then we played Leicester they were a good side his was like I tell you he's a prick I I believe he was like the first one to um, but yeah and like has absolutely no uh, links to the to to Ireland at all no yeah no yeah yeah he's he's from Kent (laughs) and then in 1995 this is when it all changes which is when Paul Scally buys the club for a quid yeah, and do you remember him taking over? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I won't say anything bad about it because this. Well, basically, one of my brother's mates passed away last year, and Scally turned up to the funeral. Oh wow! I know oh. it was amazing, but there has been a rocky ride with him, basically. But but he's still there, right? Yeah, yeah, he's still there. Yeah, I think he lives in Dubai now, so I don't know how much his heart's in it. I was filming a thing in Crawley. And I went to Crawley versus Gillingham early this season. Oh, did you? And, and a very expensive car went past with a with a personalised Scally number plate, which I <laughs> oh, presume wow. must be Paul Scally. <laughs> yeah, he, I think I think the fans have a bit of a love hate with him, but that's all chairman, isn't it? Yeah, no, but yeah. but the, you know, if you're not a if you're not a club that's got bags of money, who are you going to blame? Basically, you know, like yeah. every club in these levels, you basically. Get some, get a load of loan players. If anyone decent comes through, you sell them, and you yeah. know it's just the way of the that level. So, you know, I I have no inside scoop on Scally. He made his money in photocopiers. He did what? Made his money. He made in his fo- money in photocopiers. Yeah. Who hasn't made, made a few quid in photocopiers? <laughs> <laughs> Where the money's at. Those books don't buy themselves, boys. <laughs> um, I remember his wife doing a like a song at half time. That was a that was a Lisa Marie Scally. That was a tense four minutes. <laughs> she and, did the song. What was the time? song in the centre circle? Yeah, she did a song. I think I'm pretty sure. And then I remember. Do you remember the Do you remember the lad from um, X Factor, the big lad, Rick um, Waller? Rick, Rick Waller. Waller. Yeah, he's a Jules fan, and he he had the honour of singing at half time once and flipping hell. He got some <laughs> shit. 
Bleak. What was he singing? Well, I'll tell you why I don't know what he sang, because it was def- It was basically... <laughs> it was a lot louder what was being shouted that was, was what coming through the tannoy. Are you considered a slight celebrity Gillingham fan? Um, well, I'll tell you, I don't consider myself in, in this bracket, but um, the actor who played Hair Flick in Hello, Hello, goes to a few Jill's games, apparently. <laughs> I've never seen it. I never put myself above that. Yeah, of course, no. you've got to know your place. <laughs> exactly. You? I wouldn't. I wouldn't be as bold <laughs> as to say I'm, <laughs> I'm. I'm no hair flick. Let's put it that way. Was Lisa Marie Scully good at halftime? Or I just remember. I don't remember the song. I just remember how tense I felt. Was it tense because no one wanted to upset Paul Scully? Was it like? Was it like if Vladimir Putin's wife did a song and you had well, to I feel like it's a bit like that. I feel like you kind of go, oh, it's one of those situations where no one wins. I tell you what I had like that was, did you remember when Kate Bush came out of retirement to do a, a stint at the Apollo yeah. for a month? I thought you were going to say when Kate Bush came out of the Argonne. <laughs> yeah, the Kate Bush well, did out of the youth system. <laughs> Kate Bush uh, did uh, return to live performing for the first time in 30 years. Did she? And uh, I went to see her. And it was obviously incredible. But then about two-thirds of the way through, her son Bertie Bush got to do a song. (laughs) Bertie Bush. Bertie Bush. Is that what he was nicknamed, or is that his actual name? Bertie Bush. (laughs) And when Bertie Bush... There was a lot of traffic to the toilet during Bertie Bush's song, I'll tell you that for free. Oh, no. When you look out and you can mainly see backs. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, I've got an idea. Why don't you do a little bit in the middle, Bertie Bush? (laughs) Um, uh, At West Ham, the only singer we've ever had at half-time was, bizarrely, Will Meller. From two pints of lager and a packet of lager. He, yeah, he came out and sung a song. I think I think he might have been doing a World Cup song, and it was like the last game of the season. And he came out and did like an England song. Oh, and, oh um, God! And in between, he was doing the verses and then in the chorus. And as as he got to like the bridge, it was a little instrumental. He just turned to the crowd and went, "Fucking come on!" And then the yeah, the, the Upton Park, and then the announcer had to go. Oh, so sorry for the language you've just heard there. <laughs> Not being funny. Who gives so a shit at Upton Park if someone says that? Yeah, I know. It's so, so weird. So oh, weird. My day out was ruined when Will Meller swore at half time. <laughs> I was having a lovely time. Julian Dix had just put his foot through someone. And then Will Meller ruined it by using the S-bomb. <laughs> you know, talking um, about half-time, so what's the, the, yeah. best, the best half-time entertainment I ever saw? I'm trying to remember where it was. It was definitely like... A Midlands team like oh, come to me, but have you ever seen the wonderful penalty, the 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 penalty competition where someone uh, they get two supporters out and they stand in the middle and they put a um, broom handle. Oh, the broom handle spin. spin! Yeah, that is fun. No, that one. Honestly, no game on earth. A Champions League final does not compare That's to watching so a dizzy man try that. and score a penalty. <laughs> It's the best. So explain this. Well, so you got to put your head. Basically, on a it's a br- penalty. The ball's on the penalty spot, and a, a person, a fan from each team, is in the in the centre spot. This is right, isn't it, Joshua? And then, yeah, and yeah, then they've so. got a broom handle, and they put the broom handle on their forehead <laughs> on the ground, and then they spin. 
for like so the broom handle remains stationary yeah, they around go the round and round and round and then, the ground. and then they time them to see who can score the first penalty and the result of what happens next <laughs> is always baffling beyond baffling one guy went off the pitch I think he, I think he only went forward I'm not exaggerating about 10 foot he just went as, it looked like he was running as fast as he could to the right and then he just went down into the sort of dugout area. It was beyond brilliant. And I think that's why I used to go to that game every year on the off chance they're still doing it. I was just going to say, this is the most timely conversation of my life because I do the half-time stuff at West Ham and this very morning they've emailed me going, we need ideas to do for half-time. Bang. What and you've just presented it 100%. now. 100%. Let's get it do, down Do you know house. what's really important as well? If it's raining... It makes it so much better because they stand up and they are caked. They are utterly caked. Do you know what? Also, with fans at half time, you never realise how important football boots are until you see a fan at half time. How unsteady they are, even if they haven't done the broom. Suddenly, I walk on grass every day, but somehow (laughs) on the football pitch, suddenly all grip has gone. Like it's so good. Doing the basics, yeah, just trying to pass the ball back to a player. There's a good chance they're going over. Oh Um, god. So, um. Paul Scally appoints yeah. Tony Pulis. Yes. Oh, is is he the best manager you've ever had? Uh, again, I'm ill qualified, but he he basically got us to the playoffs. Yeah. In ninety nine. Ninety nine. Yeah. Did you go to the playoffs in ninety nine? I did. Yes, I did. Which I'd say is the most famous ever playoff game, arguably. Yeah. Well, it's weird if you. Well, I don't know. Is this, has sort of been in the middle too close to it yeah but like it's still seeing those signs where they say like the Man City sign saying from Gillingham to world domination and all oh that do they stuff. say that yeah I, the, the, basically I found this weirdly in my coat about three days ago mm. which was I, I don't know if you can see it but it's like a badge a Paul Dickoff is that yeah it's the Paul Dickoff badge that Craig because Craig, I, I did some, um, we made a show with Craig Cash and obviously this was mainly... Oh, he would have been there as well, yeah. Yeah, he was there and he basically sent me the badge of the when Dickoff scores oh, in the God. 144th minute and basically <laughs> in the 95th minute and obviously... Talk me, talk me through your day there. Do you remember? Like, that must have been so exciting. And was it good or bad that it was Man City initially? Were you pleased? Yeah, it was, like, Man City didn't really... Didn't hold the same fear that it, no. obviously you no. would you would associate with um, with them now. And they you know they'd been on their ass and stuff, hadn't they? Um, so I wasn't really thinking anything like that. The two things I remember was I I I on the way to the ground I kicked a can that was full, and it went all over a Man City fan, and I assumed <laughs> I was dead. <laughs> Because he looked, oh, he looked an absolute archetype of a, of a, yeah. of a nutty mank, basically. And he went, he went, that's gone all over me. <laughs> what it is, it's body gone all over me. And uh, and I went, I'm so sorry. And he went, hey, these things happen. <laughs> <laughs> so one, I was relieved, and then I yeah. saw 
then about 30 seconds after that, I saw Noel Gallagher bomb past me. And, Chasing uh, Alan Hansen. <laughs> having a race in slippy shoes. Um, and then I do remember... I remember what, running to the ground? Just, I think, going to wherever he got. And obviously, if you're, if you're Noel Gallagher and you're in a place full of Man City fans, you probably want to get through yeah. them quite sharpish, basically. Yeah. I said, I said it's probably before camera phones, so it wasn't that. Yeah. We probably would have got a lot of... And then... Um, I just remember because we, what's what's amazing about that game and then the following year when we played Wigan and actually went up is we can take a lot of fans. We're like a lot. I think we did like thirty eight thousand there or something. Bloody hell! Do you guys? Because you're the only team in Kent. Yeah, it's a big Plymouth. I knew you were going to bring this up. Do you have (laughs) that same discussion of sleeping giant? Yeah, of course. If uh, if someone just came in with a decent amount of cash. Put a lot into the stadium. Got the infrastructure working. There's no reason. There's absolutely no reason why this club. Yeah, of course. Literally, it's on repeat, isn't it? Um, and then, um, and then, yeah. Obviously, the game. Oh God! Obviously, they scored a very late equaliser, and then bits on penalties. But we. What's annoying? Because people always say, "Oh, you know, like." about like it could have been us or whatever like you know in Man City's position but it couldn't because we beat Wigan the following year went up yeah. so there was no we couldn't even have the joy of saying there could have been I mean that should have been because yeah. the exact same thing happened the following year but we won yeah did you go the following year yeah I sort of I, I remember a lot less about the Wigan game than I do yeah. the Man City game, I, 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 even though we won. But I've got like I've got a photo of me and my dad and my brother, which is um, which is from the uh, from the Wigan game. So that's that's always a reminder. But yeah, the, the actual game I don't remember much about. But yeah, no, the, the Man City. Do you do you think it is the most famous playoff game? Do you think just because of where they ended that, up? And the, that one and the Sunderland Charlton one are probably uh, the only two. Yeah. Yeah. I just think because Man City ended up being Man City twenty years yeah. later, you know. I think, and, and there's what. they what shouldn't have, not shouldn't have been in that. They're in a division that was way below where they traditionally would be. Well, yeah, and, and presumably, I don't know which order this was, but because it's ninety nine, presumably Man U had just won the treble, or they were just about to win the treble. I don't oh, know. Oh God, would it have been, been? It would have been after, wouldn't it? The Champions yeah. League is the last game of the season. Yeah, isn't it? so there's a kind of that added kind of. Oh, I'd never thought of narrative that. Narrative yeah. that Man, Man U are currently the greatest team in the world. Where, Man, Man U are, are not thinking about Man City in any way, though, are they? Yeah. They're not kind of... They're not going, how are they getting on against the Jills? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dickhoff's, Dickhoff's flying forward. Um, yeah, no, it was... Um, it's a bit of a blur, the Wigan. But we did, you know, like then we were... Then we were in the top flight for... Five years, which was well, off the championship. I mean, so, and and that was that was brilliant. That was great fun. That was hanging on for dear life. Let, let, let me present to you an alternative timeline, okay. Joe. Say you beat City in that playoff final, yes. and then you get bought out by the Abu Dhabi group. Yes, and now Gillingham regularly competing in the Champions League, sixty thousand capacity stadium there in Kent. How would you feel about that? Well. I would feel wonderful. Um, <laughs> and I would also be going to a lot more games. <laughs> um, 
we we interview. Sorry to uh, talk about our podcast, but we we chatted to Craig Cash about being a Man yeah. City fan on our podcast. And uh, we should just say what the because po- oh. I I love the podcast. Oh, the, thank you. Yeah, the, the Ellis James episode is fucking hilarious as well. So everyone, what's it called? The podcast and what's uh, the- my new foot, my new football club. It's basically about David Earle, who I do the podcast with, has just moved to to Devon, where you're from, obviously, mm. and he started supporting Exeter. But he's never, because he's been a Man U fan, he's never actually followed a club, never gone to games, never been involved in the sort of the, 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 yeah. the real sort of the shit bit, really. Yeah. And so he's li- living all this for the first time. So he's kind of we're just talking about like his experiences of you know like basically what we're talking about doing at like sort of five and 10 and sort yeah. of, you know, all those first time experiences he's doing as a 47 year old, basically. <laughs> so it's really interesting because he kind of comes back and goes, bloody hell, you can't park anywhere near the ground, can you? <laughs> I go, no, of course you can't. And he goes, God, I've had to walk about 25 minutes. I've never even given that any thought. What's interesting about it is... He's chosen to support Exeter. He basically lives where I used to live, and I chose to support Plymouth. But Torquay's closest, closest, technically yeah. his closest team, I think. Yeah, yeah, But exactly. you're from the same bit as well, so, aren't you? So well, you're, he said, you I don't been... know exactly where he lives, but he said um, that he but, lives, like, equidistant between Plymouth and Exeter, and I I chose Plymouth as a glory hunter, and he chose Exeter. <laughs> but I think, technically, you might have been a t- closer to Torquay as well, I think, from yeah, what I he was doing. But yeah. that's just not an option. Right. <laughs> sure. It's a slight joke, Clark. Well, Steve, well is it Steve Perriman is youth development, so let's not too <laughs> not be too disparaging. For... But you spoke to Craig Cash on. Oh yeah, pod. yeah. So it's talk, on the on the podcast about his um, how he supports. You know, he, we have the question: well, how's how's your day? You know, one of the question is: what's your routine? So, if if you one of you guys was on, we'd say, what's your, you know, when you go into a game, what's your routine, basically? You know, what yeah. time do you get to the ground? Talking to Craig was, I was like, this is how you do football. <laughs> if you've got a couple of quid, this is how you do. It. <laughs> he basically gets gets a cab to the ground, and he's got like basically platinum membership whatever the equivalent is, you know. And he basically goes into the posh bit and there's basically a four-course meal. Basically, every time you move, they put a new drink in front of you. (laughs) You can see the game from the bar bit anyway, but, you know, if you do go out and actually watch it, he said, he basically, if you basically blink, they put a new drink in front of you. And he says, he says, he he gets a double hit because... He's usually, he's so drunk at the end of it, He by the time match of the day's on, he gets to watch the game again because he can't remember a sodding thing about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it just sounds like, like heaven. You know, like everyone's, like Roy Keane was slagging off for the prawn cocktail brigade or whatever. I was like, yeah, yeah, slag me off, mate. That's exactly how I want to <laughs> be driven to... Because, like, Craig says he, he's got no vices. All he, all he does is gets drunk at football every two That's weeks. It. Yeah, he doesn't do anything else. doesn't spend his money on anything. He's lashed out a few quid on a ticket and he goes with his missus as well which is fantastic yeah so, that's, yeah. that's so they, that is the key to life isn't it yeah is getting your missus to come oh, with you good luck good luck <laughs> my, 
My missus has gone to a couple of... Her son's a, a Swindon fan. And uh, yeah. so we t- took him to a couple of games. And she... I know she took to a Swindon game, she's going to an England game. She basically... The two things I remember, she, she thought half-time thought it was over. And when I, told, when I told her it wasn't, she questioned whether we would be staying for the second half. <laughs> Are we staying for the second half? Like, yes, that's, that's how it works. And then, uh, and then she, she genuinely said, God, I wish I'd bought a magazine. <laughs> so I thought, this isn't happening. This is not happening. But I did take an old girlfriend... To a Jill's game once and uh, got knocked o- got knocked over by a police horse in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not in a like you know like charging towards me. The horse yeah. sort of pivoted and its rump <laughs> hit my back and knocked me forward. And I genuinely thought I'd have been hit by like a kind of like a rock hard but solid sort of mattress <laughs> because the side of the horse was sort of soft and hard. <laughs> So it didn't hurt in any way. It just yeah. sort of flung... Funny. The power of it. Yeah, it just flung me forward. But um, so anyway, my missus is not going to any games. And, <laughs> but yeah, he goes with his missus and they have... They, oh just, God. they just have nice wines, have really nice food. And all this oh. weird stuff like the players and come he, in is afterwards. Is there loads of other yeah. celebrities in his area? Yeah, well, this is, the, this is the great thing. He said, whenever, whenever you play, whoever you play, they will bring... Yeah. A few celebrities along, <laughs> like, <laughs> like I guess because you're going to Man City, that sort of I don't know if you're playing Chelsea yeah. or so, they'll go to Johnny Vaughan or someone. Do you want a VIP yeah. trip to? So there's always a few sort of uh, celebs from the other team, and the players come in after us. All this weird stuff. Oh man, so, like, weird. so you end up like having a having a couple of jars with. You know, Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah, Sterling or whatever. Imagine being a couple of fantasies with Sterling. And then Raheem Sterling walks in and you're trying <laughs> to make, make small talk. Yeah, literally small talk. <laughs> I wonder how many people in the Man City squad are aware of the royal family. <laughs> oh my God. What a great question. If you had the money, could you, could you arrange, you go, if, if, I play, if I pay the club a quarter of a million pounds in the next. <laughs> Team talk. Can you ask this question? <laughs> if you've heard of the royal family, raise your hand. And that's said in like seven different languages. Who would be? Who would you bet on in that Man City squad? If you had to back someone, I'm not going Grealish. No. I, I, I was going to say Foden. I think he would have grown up around it. Foden, he? Foden, too young, though, wouldn't he? Foden. He would, no, I think his born. parents would have had it on. His parents. Yeah. Do you know, his, his grandma would have told him about it. Yeah, but, he, but but royal family is like our carry on to him probably. Do you know yeah, what I mean? like yeah. it's, it's it's on, but he doesn't quite know why. Can I just ask a quick question around what's the hospitality like at Gillingham? Have you, been, have you ever done it? Have you no, been to a lounge? I've got an awful story. Yeah, got an awful yeah. story. This is terrible. Oh, I feel sick when I think of this. Okay, a few a few years ago, done a bit of telly. I got an email out of the blue saying. Um, I heard you on something, you're a Gillingham fan. Would you like to come to Gillingham as our guest in uh, in the box, one of the boxes and have a meal? And I was like, I was so excited. From so, the club? or From, from the like club, a... f- from the club, yeah. And uh, so they sent, they sent this email and I, really excited, immediately emailed my brother and said, you're not going to believe this, been given 
like invited to go to to the to the ground vip mate we're going vip <laughs> and he said he said how many tickets you got is there enough for graham and dad to come so i then look at the email and i go to what reply to what i think is my brother i replied oh what a shame there's only two tickets <laughs> No. But I immediately, but I'd emailed that to the club. Oh god! So they emailed me out of the blue with a lovely gesture, and the response they got was, "What a shame! There's only two oh, tickets." Oh god! They replied back, "Yes, there are only two tickets." Obviously, which, oh, is, quite, yo, yo, yo. which is quite curt. Obviously, understandably. I went, Jesus Christ! I saw a number. I I googled. I found her number and I phoned her and I explained. <laughs> yeah. And she was lovely and actually gave us four tickets, but in the end we couldn't go because it was really near the end of the season. But anyway, for weeks I'd just be fine and then just remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been the most free-flying Gillingham chat I've ever had, I'll be honest with you. It's been well, an absolute pleasure, Joe. Well, th- well, thanks for having me on and I'm a big fan of the podcast. So, oh, uh, thank I'll, you. As I say, I, I, I feel a fraud because if you, if you know my brother and Graham, they'll just be going, what does he know? Because I'm such a, I'm a tourist, basically. But you went a lot in the nineties. I did you? go a lot in the nineties, yeah. And it was, it was um, a baffling time to watch Gillingham. But um, yeah, do you have done like? It. Do you see it as a as the best time to be a Gillingham fan? Like that period under um, Tony Pulis. Like. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess so. That that I'm watching a lot of games go, going from like near relegation in. Oh, God, here we go. I'm guessing here. We we were we, we came third to bottom in 94, 93, 95, mm. something like that. And that was, if I remember rightly, right down to the wire. And then, yeah. get, then watching it all the way through. I watched it all the way through, like, regularly, all the way through to playing in the... In the Div Two, you know, championship, and and yeah. basically watch us sort of hold our own there. That was great. So yeah, it was a, it was a good time to go from zero to nearly hero. So yeah, yeah. and and I was I was young, so that was I was stunning as well. <laughs> <laughs> and did you go much in the championship when you got up there? Yeah, yeah, and it, I think it was sort of after the championship. Once we sort of went down, I think that's when my. My dwindling stuff. Once you've tasted the champagne of the championship. Yeah, but it always felt like... I don't know if you feel like this with clubs. When you've watched football as a youngster, you, I sometimes want to... I look, at the, I look at the leagues and go, right, you should be in... Because I see it, still see it as a bit of Div 1, 2, 3, 4. Yeah. And you look at sort of West Brom or someone and you go, I'll put you, you should be there. Like... <laughs> Like man, you know, do you know what I mean? So yeah, you I've should got be that t- totally. So sort of forest, you go. Oh, why are we playing forest? This yeah. is mental. You know, we beat beat forest three one. This is mental. So I see them as like top flight and stuff. And I and with championship, I, I never never felt quite comfortable that we were naturally a, a yeah. championship side. So I think like that's fraud. what made yeah. But that made really sort of every season we sort of stayed up. It was a. Where would you put Plymouth in the? Uh... I'd, I'd say I'd say Div Four. <laughs> just in with Brian. Just went with my gut, mate. I went with my gut, and you're bloody <laughs> hanging on there, mate, as well. Lucky only one go down. God, you need a striker. In my head, in my head. Something. Um, 
So the first half of the nineties terrible. The second half amazing. Yeah. Skull always. You always end with the same. The same yeah. question. I'd like. I'm fascinated to know your answer to this because I don't know which way it's going to go. But Joe, if I gave you the option to go back to the first of January nineteen ninety and do do that whole period again, would you? Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Oh, can, oh, you can't actually do it. What a shame, what a shame. I would send you back and make one demand. Find out where Alan Hansen is going. (laughs) Follow him. I've got got a feeling I could have caught him. (laughs) Tragic. Um, One final time, Joe, because never has someone come on whose podcast is more central to uh, our audience, I imagine. Oh, yeah, thank you for letting me promote. Yeah, it's called My New Football Club, and it's about... It's it's, on the surface, it looks like it's about Exeter City, but it's not. It's about, as I I said earlier, David experiencing basically lower league football uh, on the front line for the first time. And we talked to lots of... um, Lots of people about their love of, of, of smaller clubs, less glamorous yeah. clubs, basically, yes. and, uh, and just prat on, really. But, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of chat about the cleanliness of terraces. That's your thing. <laughs> and sadly for our listeners, it is their thing. It's <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang on. God love you. Absolute wheelhouse, right? <laughs> Joe Wilkinson, thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a lovely rest of the day. That is Joe Wilkinson, and uh, you should listen to... He does a podcast with David Earl called My New Football Club, which is about David Earl has moved to Devon, and frustratingly for me, he's decided to support Exeter City. And it's about his trials and tribulations starting to support a lower league club, and it is excellent. Thank you to Joe. Now, do you want to end with a quiz? Yes, please. Okay. Here is a quiz from Harry Dawson. Hello, lads. Since the dawn of Wi-Fi, I've been playing this game with friends in the pub on the bus and at weddings when we're all meant to be quiet. It never fails to deliver. The rules are thus. It is a two-player game. Go to the definitely reputable website at worldfootball.net. It is a two-legged affair. Player one picks a season from the 90s and selects a game week up to 42 if selecting before and including uh, 1994 or 38 after. Then select a match blindly by choosing the numbers 1 to 10. Okay, Michael, would you like to select a season? Uh... Uh, 97-98 Oh, good one Skull's happy with that Yeah And what game week do you want? Uh, number 9, please Game week 9 1997-98, game week 9 Can I have a number from 1 to 10 for the match, please? Uh, let's go 9 again You've chosen Tottenham versus Wimbledon Oof The moderator then reads out the starting lineups, Omitting the players' first names He does not repeat the starting lineups. Each player's task is to name as many first names as he can for his team. It's sudden death. They must include the surname when naming the player. Player one has the home team. Player two has the away team. Uh, it's a two-legged affair. We'll do one leg. Okay. okay. Do you want home or away, Chris? Uh, home. So, it's Tottenham versus Wimbledon. Chris, you have chosen home. Are you ready? Yeah. Walker, Carr, Mabbott, Vega, Campbell, Dominguez, Clements... Ferdinand, Fox, Armstrong, Ginola. Your time starts now. David Ginola, Rule Fox, Gary Mabbott, Ian Walker. <laughs> uh, uh, Gary Doherty, did you say? Uh, no, incorrect. Justin Edinburgh? Uh, no. Uh, uh, 
Oh, the brain can only retain five pieces left. of knowledge. Well, you've only got four. Ah, uh, God. Uh, Sol Campbell? Uh, yes. Uh, Time up. Uh, it's five to beat, Michael. How are you uh, feeling, Michael? Uh, with Wimbledon, not confident. Okay. How are you feeling, Skull? Uh, that's tough, actually. The people you've missed... Stephen Carr, Ramon Vega, Jose Dominguez, Stephen Clements, Les Ferdinand, Chris Armstrong. That's a disgrace. Five to beat, Michael. Okay. Sullivan, Perry, Kimball, Cunningham, Blackwell, Jones, Hughes, Hughes, Earl, Akoku, Court. Your time starts now. Fuck. Neil Neil Sullivan. Yep. Ben Thatcher. No, he wasn't in the team. Uh, Robbie L. Yes. <laughs> uh, Koku. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, it's so difficult to keep spinning the plates. <laughs> it's, it's so uh, and, uh, Alan Kimball. Yes. One to equalise. Time out. Kenny coming. Kenny coming. Kenny coming. Kenny coming. Kenny coming. Oh, Kenny coming. I'm afraid it's it's five for the Jesus, that, that is so fucking stressful as a game. <laughs> I did not enjoy that. <laughs> I have to say, it's really surprisingly hard. Like, try, yeah. you should try it. It's actually quite tough. Hughes Hughes was tough, wasn't it? Michael and Carrie Hughes. Uh, yeah, no Astonishing. Chance. Do you know who Jones is? Rob Vinnie Jones. Jones. Vinnie Still jo- playing for Wimbledon in September uh, 1997. Oh, wow. God, wow. When David Seaman had already had 700 appearances under his belt in life. Anyway, there we go. That was a lot of fun. Thank you very much to... Um, Harry Dawson for uh, that. Uh, Chris, how would you like to play us out? Okay, I would like to end this episode, please, with the theme tune from You Bet. Oh, I can't imagine anything better. What a treat. Uh, That's it for this week. Big thank you to Joe Wilkinson. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, Robbie Slater, see you later. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.